I'm glad you do too. And I love the things that he said in his word. In John chapter 3, and verse 3, it says, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Oh, what, what an amazing passage of scripture. You read the book of John and Jesus talks about being lifted up, being lifted up, being lifted up. In the other gospels, he, he in the synoptic gospels, we read about Jesus that wicked men are going to take me and they're going to crucify me. And three days later, I'm going to come back from the grave. He knew exactly what was going to happen. And he proclaimed it. He shouted it from the rooftops. And it wasn't until it happened that people woke up and said, Oh, that's what he meant. And they didn't get it. And even here in this passage of scripture, he says, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. And as we read through, as he's talking to Nicodemus, he's talking about you, you're thinking earthly thoughts. You need to think about this heavenly. And so often, we were even talking about it in Sunday school today, we take God and we try to put him into our plane of existence, into our paradigm. And try to have him fit in, in the world in which we live. And we get confused. And it's kind of like in physical science class with ninth graders. And I, and I asked them a question. I said, I say, if you drop a hammer and a feather in a vacuum, which one hits the ground first? A hammer, right? And I say, no. And they go, I say, it's about the atmosphere. There's something that we don't see here that makes that feather fall slowly. And that air, that atmosphere is right there. And it keeps it up until it hits the ground. And so I show them a video in class of when the astronauts got to the moon. And they took a hammer and a feather and they dropped him. And they hit the ground at the same time. There's always that one kid that's like, no, I don't believe it. And it's like, yeah, that's the way. And, and you take and you put things into human perspective and on this earth, and it doesn't make much sense. We have to think heavenly. This world is in our home. We're going to spend all of eternity in heaven if we believe in Jesus Christ. The, the risen Lord for all of eternity. So as we, we'll get it. Matt will fix me in a second. As we look at this passage of scripture, we take a look at this son of man. It says, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who comes down from heaven that is the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I think the first thing that we have to understand 
is what Jesus meant and what he was talking about when he's talking about the Son of Man. And he's talking about to Nicodemus, this searching scholar, this guy who understood the whole Old Testament a lot better than I do and did not have the New Testament sitting in front of him. And God explained it. And it was like, as you read the life of Nicodemus, it was like when Jesus died on the cross and he was lifted up. And three days later, he came back from Nicodemus goes, it all makes sense. Well, what makes sense? First of all, when you see that phrase, son of man, as it applies to Jesus. Now, I know we see other people in the Bible called the son of man. But as we look at it and it applies to Jesus, we need to think about this phrase, the hypostatic union. It's kind of like a word similar to our understanding of the Trinity. Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. And I still hear people say all the time, Jesus was like 50% God, 50% man. He was like half God. No. Jesus is 100% God, and he's 100% man. And you stop and you think about that for a little bit, and you go, I don't get it. How is he 100% God, and he can understand exactly what I'm going through, and all the trials and tribulations and things that I face, How can he get that and understand where I'm at and still be God? That's a heavenly thing. It's supernatural. It's beyond what we can understand. So don't try. Just know that it's true. And just know that it applies to you. Because he understands your humanity. And he's God, and as God, he has the power to save you from sin and to interact in a personal way in your life and make a real positive difference and an eternal difference. So we read Daniel chapter 7. You go, uh, Daniel chapter 7 just a minute ago. And you say, what in the world does Daniel 7 have to do with John chapter 3? And I say, well, I, I think... If we were Nicodemus and we were sitting there and Jesus starts talking about the Son of Man, what might have popped into his mind was Daniel chapter 7. And in Daniel chapter 7, we have this very, very interesting passage of Scripture. And I know that there are a lot of guys in in church that would love to just break down and look at Daniel chapter 7. And the beasts, these four beasts, and what do they all mean? And what do they have for us for the future? But our our goal and our topic today is about the Son of Man. And we're looking in the book of John, and we're looking at Jesus Christ. And so I'd like us to take us to the focus of this. And in in Daniel chapter 7, if you open your books there, we just, Bible's there, we just read it. But in Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, it says, I watched till the thrones were put in place. And the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment 
was white as snow. And the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wheels, a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. And a thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousands stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. I just love it that as Daniel, after he has seen these dreams and visions, that of these beasts and these things that would terrify any one of us, that, that, that the vision is changed to that ancient of days. And keep your focus on the ancient of days. Oh, yeah. It's interesting as we read about the leopard and, and the beasts and the, ter- the dreadful and terrible beasts and that stuff. And that, that would make an interesting Bible study. But let's take a look and let's turn our hearts towards heaven. And let's picture just just what's going on here. The throne of God, the ancient of days, seated on it. And and I I get a picture in my mind, the thousands times ten thousands seated before it. And and I kind of get this picture. and, And let me just tell you, no matter what my picture is in my head or what your picture is in your head, the truth is, in what, what we see, the ancient of days seated on, on the throne, it's going to be better than what we could ever imagine. And I can't wait, and I'm looking forward to it. And there is this problem. There is this beast that is plaguing the world. And who is it that could destroy the beast? That could have him his reign come to an end? That could give victory to the saints of God? Who is this one who is worthy? You know who it is? It's the Son of Man. The Son of Man who will be lifted up. And so as I I read this passage of Scripture, there's three things that I see. The first one coming from verse 11. It says, I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body was given to the burning flame. What an awesome passage of scripture. Let's also take a look in our Bibles back. Now put a bookmark in in Daniel chapter 7. Put a bookmark right there and then go all the way back. Oh, I better do it too. Follow your own instructions. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. (coughs) Verses 19 and 20. In this passage of scripture, we see Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, him who was slain, the Lamb of God, He comes, and in verse 19 it says, And I saw the beast, the king of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him 
who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who worked signs in the presence by which he had deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped the image. These were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. So the first thing I put about this son of man that we're supposed to take a look at is that he is, uh, actually, sorry, I forgot to put up there the ancient of days. He is the beast slayer. I, I just, I love that. Ever since I've, I've read that and put that down in, in my notes, I said, wow, that's something I want to share with people forever and ever. You look at these beasts, I, I don't care how terrible, how, how dreadful these beasts are. I care about the guy who can slay the beast. The next thing I look at and I see in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. Something again we can look at that same passage of scripture in Revelation. And it says in Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. I was watching in the night visions. And behold... One like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. So the next thing that I put up there, we could also see this in Revelation chapter 19. Not only is he the beast slayer, he's the cloud rider. Oh, isn't that get you exciting about... We wait for King Jesus. We have an enemy, the adversary, the devil. But my king, my Jesus, he's the beast slayer. He is also the cloud rider. Here he comes, riding on the clouds to slay the beast. Don't you love that? We keep looking in verse 14. Of that same chapter, it says, Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him forever. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. So not only is he the beast slayer, the cloud rider, he is the king of kings. His everlasting kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed. So next time people say, says to you, you know, you know, what does it mean? What does Jesus mean to you? Who is he? Well, he's our risen savior. And he is the beast slayer, the cloud rider. And he is the eternal king of kings and Lord of lords. Is that your God? Is He your Savior today? Amen. If not, join us and make sure that before you leave here that He is your Savior. And then in John chapter 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And that story takes us right, right back to Numbers chapter 21. Remember, he was talking to Nicodemus, and he wanted Nicodemus to get heavenly concepts. So in Numbers chapter 21, we have this story that Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. He's saying, Nicodemus, this is so, 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 so important. And in Numbers chapter 21, in verse 4, it says, Then they, the children of Israel, journeyed from Mount Hor, by the way of the Red Sea, to go around the land of Egypt. Edom, excuse me, land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among them, and they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks on it, at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent. Put it on a pole. So it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, that when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. So Jesus says here, I want you guys to remember the story of the serpent in the wilderness. Remember, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about new life, about being born again. And he says, the source of you being born again is the Son of Man being lifted up just like Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness so as we look at numbers chapter 21 I'd like us to look at a few things the first one is the sin that the people committed against God as they were complaining oh Moses why have you let us out of here why have you taken us out of Egypt we loathe this worthless bread oh Moses why did you do it sounds like a bunch of Americans why are you doing this to us God what's this for and God says enough your complaining is a sin I have done more for you than any nation ever what other nation has had God come and deliver them from slavery bring ten plagues and bring them out of out of the nation out of their captivity with parting the Red Sea Come on, Americans, enough is enough. What God has done more for you, for you, for a people than he's done for you. Quit complaining. God sent, the Lord sent fiery serpents of death. And I've said, I don't know what it means when it says fiery serpents, but I give you a couple of, of suggestions. One, either they were literally on fire. Or when they bit you, you begin to feel as if you were on fire. My personal opinion, and I don't know if that makes a hill of beans, is I think both. I think you knew that they were fiery serpents when they came into into the camp. 
And when they bit you, you you knew it the second you were bit. Is that poison went through you. And all of a sudden, there's a wake-up call to these people. They're like, we are sinning against God. This complaining is not good. And it's getting us nowhere. We are sinners. We need God. We need His salvation. So the next thing I see is that they admitted that they were sinners. Same thing, okay. They admitted that they had sinned. And they pleaded to God for forgiveness. It says right there in verse 7, We have sinned, for we have spoken against God. They pleaded to God for forgiveness. And God provides the bronze serpent on a pole. And it was lifted up. Three L's here. That bronze serpent was lifted up. And then the people had to look. And then they lived. And Jesus said, that's what gets you new life. First of all, there's this person, the son of man. Who's the son of man? Say it with me. He's a beast slayer. The cloud rider and the king of kings and lord of lords. And he says, if you've got a problem, if you have sinned, whether your sin is complaining, it's adultery, it's murder, it's drunkenness, it's addiction, it's lying, it's cheating, it's stealing. If you have sinned and you've got a problem. You need to follow the example of these people. They admitted that they were sinners. They cried out to God. And God provided a means of salvation. He gave them a bronze serpent on a pole. That serpent was lifted up for everybody to live, for everybody to see. And all they had to do is look and live. I have that like in my Bible, I have that like underlined like five times. They looked and they lived. And Jesus says, you have to believe in the Son of Man that is lifted up. And if you look, you will live. You will get that new life in Christ. You know, that's not where the story of the bronze serpent ends. The, bronze, the story of the bronze serpent actually, actually continues. Because you know what the children of Israel did? They took that bronze serpent and they like put it in a box. And years later, in the days of the kings... They got the bronze serpent out. And, and it became like one of their gods. They worshipped it. They gave it a name. Let's look over in 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18. In 2 Kings chapter 18 in verses 3 to 6, it says these words, And he, that's King Ezekiah, did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places. He broke the sacred pillars. He cut down the wooden image and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it 
and called it Nehushtan. He, Hezekiah, trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him, for he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. There's a godly king, Hezekiah by name, who wants to destroy idolatry in Judah. And one of the things that he wants to destroy is this idol, this bronze serpent that they'd given a name to, Nahushtan. And they had begun worshiping it and bringing sacrifices to it. And they made their, their, the focus of their religion the bronze serpent. Guess what? God gave the bronze serpent as an example. And it, it had a purpose. And if the people looked on it, they lived. But it wasn't about the bronze serpent. It was about the God that saved them and provided the bronze serpent. Your salvation, look at this, is not found in a totem. It is found by grace through faith in the Savior. And who is the Savior? He's the Son of Man who was lifted up for your sins. And if you look at Him, you will live. He is the beast slayer, the cloud rider, the King of kings and Lord of lords who was lifted up. And died and shed his blood for your sins and mine. You need to have the, the idea of Hezekiah. You must trust in the Lord. Hold fast to him and not depart from him. Your salvation should be in the risen son. I say all this because today maybe there's somebody sitting here. And you're like, oh yeah, I think I'm, I'm a good person. I think I'm going... To heaven. You know, maybe you're even like, hey, hey, I wear my cross every day. I go to church every Sunday. Does going to church every Sunday get you to heaven? No. So if that's what you're trusting in, you need to meet the Savior. Does wearing a cross every day, does that get you to heaven? You need the Savior. Jesus Christ was lifted up. And he said that to Nicodemus. He says it again in this book. And he says it again in this book. In the Synoptic Gospels, he spelled it out. I'm going, wicked men are going to take me. They're going to crucify me on a cross. And three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. And guys like Nicodemus, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, when he was lifted up, they're like, I get it. He's the Savior. He is the Son of God. And He can give me salvation. And today, I want to offer you what Jesus Christ did. If you are a sinner, you need to look to the Savior. If the weight of sin is pulling you down, you need to look to the Savior and live. He is worth it. Amen. He is eternally worth it as the beast slayer. Amen. Hallelujah.
the cloud rider. Here he comes. That's why we say Maranatha at the end of every service. Because he's coming again, riding on the clouds. And when he does, he's going to set up his kingdom on earth. But maybe you're like those children of, the, uh, of Israel. You find yourself complaining. You fi- find yourself falling in sin. Maybe you've been trusting in the wrong thing for way too long. And you want a relationship with that Savior, that lifted up Savior. Let today be the day of salvation. I was talking to somebody today and they said, he said, I knew somebody who accepted the Lord as their Savior this week. Praise the Lord. And one of their peers said to him, Today, you've got to get saved. Tomorrow might be too late. You know what? Maybe God's working on your heart today. And you're like, I'm like those children in the wilderness. I need Jesus Christ. I don't have a relationship with him. Would you picture with me today that that Savior, that Son of Man? Oh, I just we have an adversary, the devil, but Jesus is going to slay him. We have a world that is wicked and it is twisted and it is broken. Soon and very soon, maybe seven years from today, Jesus Christ is coming riding on those clouds to set up his kingdom. It's going to last forever. Are you a part of that? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I present to you that son of man, 100% God, 100% man, lifted up on the cross. He died for you. And he conquered the grave. All you got to do is look at him and you can have new life. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for the gift of your son, the son of man, high and lifted up. He took up that cross so that we could live forever with him. I thank you for your son who you promised will be our champion. And I pray that as we leave today, every single one of us will remember. That our Savior is the beast slayer. He's the king of kings. He's the cloud rider. Lord, that if we're counting on anything else for salvation, we will throw away those idols, those good works, the things that we trust in that, that mean nothing. We'll come to the foot of the cross and look up at the Savior who shed his blood for our behalf. And we'll know what it means to trust in him, to hold fast to him, and to be able to rejoice that we have a part in Daniel chapter 7, that we will reign with him forever and ever. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.